Hey there, this is Emily Hoover, and we are so glad that you are listening to the Mission Point Community Church podcast. It's our prayer that this helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus and encourages you to show and share the love of Jesus everywhere you go. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's dive into the message. Man, so, so, so good to be um, in the house of the Lord and in the middle of this journey that we started a few weeks ago uh, called Grace Overboard. We are uh, taking a few weeks to journey through the Old Testament book of Jonah. And uh, man, Jonah is one of those characters, whether you've grown up in and around the church or whether you've had nothing to do with the church, you probably have some sense of who Jonah is. Not because of something epic that he did, but on account of the fact that that dude got swallowed by a fish and lived to tell a about it. There are not a lot of people in human history who could claim that particular um, boast, Jonah. Um, but in the process of getting to know more of the story of Jonah, we get to discover uh, a little bit more about ourselves and a little bit more about the God who Jonah got to serve. And um, you can go ahead and um, open your Bibles to Jonah, the end of chapter one. That's where we are going to um, start here in a few moments. But for those of you who might not know, let me just give you a quick summary. As the story goes, Jonah, who is uh, an Israelite prophet, and as a prophet, his job was to represent God uh, by calling people from their running and rebellion to return to God in repentance. That was Jonah's job. Um, and as this story starts, irony of ironies, Jonah, the prophet, ends up becoming the rebellious runner himself. God comes to Jonah and he gives him a very clear assignment. Jonah, I want you to go to the city of Nineveh and I want you to tell them to quit their wicked behavior and turn to me. Clear assignment. Now, we don't understand all of Jonah's rationale, but we do understand uh, Nineveh. Uh, Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. The Assyrians were the most powerful uh, people on the planet at the time, but more than that, they were brutal, barbaric individuals who gloated and loved causing as much human suffering as they could, as slowly as they could. The more they could make a person suffer, they, the more they enjoyed this. If you went to Nineveh, this city was decorated with blood and death and gore. They loved it. Um, the Assyrians uh, hated the Jews. The Jews hated the Assyrians. Such was their relationship. So here's Jonah's situation. God shows up and says, I want you to go and tell the, the, the Assyrian Empire in the capital city um, of Nineveh to quit their behavior. In other words, march into the headquarters of brutality and tell them to cut it out. Again, we don't know Jonah's rationale, but we know that Jonah says, that's going to be a no from me, God. I am not doing that, right? And you can understand it rationally. I mean, if we're just thinking humanly speaking, Jonah's like, if I march into the headquarters of these tyrannical barbarians, I just don't see myself surviving that particular encounter. And on the other hand, if I happen to survive and, and this empire turns to God, how am I supposed to go back home to my people and explain to them that, hey, they've turned to God and now our God is their God and I got to do this. They would never embrace me. 
And so I'm putting my life at risk or I'm putting love at risk. Whatever Jonah's rationale, he's like, nope. And he runs away from God. Um, in fact, here's a map of Jonah's attempted um, escape from, um, from God. So uh, Jonah is point A, somewhere around gath Hefer, which is where he's from in Israel. God says, go to Nineveh, up north. Jonah is like, Mm-mm, I'm not going to do that. So what he does is he actually goes down to Joppa, where that little ship is, and he gets on a boat, goes down into the cargo compartment to try and sail as far away to Tarshish. Tarshish is as far the extreme of the Mediterranean world as possible. And this is Jonah's little running situation in light of what God has called him to do. As the story goes, God is like, yeah, about running, yeah, I'm not into that that life. And so God sends a massive storm onto the water while Jonah is on this ship with a bunch of other sailors. And uh, Jonah's like, no, I'm still going to keep running. Eventually, and this is where we left off last week, the sailors figure out like the best course here is to throw this guy overboard because he's the one causing this situation into the sea. And they throw Jonah into the sea. And when Jonah gets into the sea, this massive sea creature swallows him up whole. And for three days and three nights, Jonah lives in the belly of a fish. This is a true story. This is the kind of stuff, by the way, that if you've grown up around the church, you're like, yeah, yeah, that's true. And if you've grown up outside of the church, you're like, this is why people think y'all are crazy, right? We've just got to pause and think there's a story in real time space in history in which a dude running from God is thrown into the sea and is swallowed by a fish and he lives to tell Um, about it, right? This is how it ends. This is Jonah chapter one, verse 17. Here's what it says. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, right? This monster fish swallows Jonah and houses him for free for um, three nights. Uh, When we rejoin the story, Jonah is, again, literally in the abdominal cavity of a massive sea creature rescued from death. And uh, he is praising God for his rescue. And he's doing that in a stirring poetic song, which is what we're going to look at in Jonah chapter 2. This is Jonah's song of praise to a God who has rescued him by virtue of a fish. And in this song of praise, he gives us a fuller picture of um, what that overboard fish swallowing experience was like for him. Because I've heard you all say that I, I, I was swallowed by a fish, but you don't know the rest of the story. I'm going to fill in some of the gaps to paint a more clear picture of my experience. And as Jonah retells the story, we are going to learn some lessons about running. Jonah chapter 2, verse 1. If you have a copy of the Bible, um, otherwise, the verses will be up here on the screen. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. And this is in the form of um, a praise poem. And he said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep inside the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. 
You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me, and I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Wow. Jonah says, here's what actually happened. He says, that the moment my body hit that water, Man, the water grabbed a hold of me and it started dragging me down to its depths. And I wish that I would have just gone down to the seabed in a straight line, but oh no, the merciless waves, they got in the mix and they flung me back and forth like a furious washer dryer type of situation. He says, my face was completely engulfed with water. And then on top of that seaweed just wrapped around my face, suffocating me. He's painting a slow and horrible way to die. And Jonah is apparently aware of every single thing that is happening to his body. The sea assaulted me. I was sinking and I was surrounded and I was spin cycling and, and swirling and suffocating all at the same time. Don't make it sound like I just dropped in and a fish swallowed me. It was violent. It was brutal. It was vicious. And, and to, to no surprise, Jonah believes in all of those moments, I'm done. I am dead. Right? He says, I knew I was heading down to the realm of the dead, about to make my bed where the oceanic mountains meet the sea floor. And man, as is true for anyone who's in the process of dying, even as Jonah sinks, what he believes most about God rises to the surface. And he lets us in on those beliefs. Number one, God has done this to me. He says, verse number three, you hurled me into the sea. He doesn't blame the sailors. He says, God, you're the one who has done this to me. God has done this to me. And he says, number two, and God is certainly done with me. Verse four, he says, you've banished me from your presence. And this is the picture he paints. This was what Jonah experienced in the sea, sinking to his death, convinced that the God who called him was the same God who had sent this storm to stop him, and the same God who is now commanding the sea to beat him up and take him down. God has done this to me because God is done with me. Vicious experience. But then Jonah 
Woo! He lets us in on this moment. And I'm telling you, there is no way we could have possibly known Jonah's experience. Matter of fact, I've grown up hearing the story of Jonah on different occasions, but I completely missed some of Jonah's experience because I was so focused on the whole massive toothless fish situation that was happening. But Jonah lets us in on the fact that in the middle of this violent sinking to his death, there was a moment. There was a moment. Verse number seven. He says, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Woo, that's a word right there. In the middle of my plunging and my violent and inevitable death, he says, I remembered the Lord. There was a moment. In the middle of my spiraling to my demise, I woke up. I had a wait a minute moment. What am I doing here, in the middle of my blacking out, I remembered the God who called me, he says. In the middle of feeling abandoned and discarded, I remembered, I remembered the kind of God that you are. I remember what I knew to be most true about you, God. I love this. And so, he says, with my dying breath, I cried out. I didn't know that about the story of Jonah. In the middle of my death breath, I cried out. He says, from the depths of distress and despair, I cried out. To God. Listen, I don't even know the science behind this. I don't know how you can even cry out, get the bottom of an ocean. I don't even know how that's particularly possible, but apparently Jonah cried out and those weak little prayer bubbles broke through the violent waves and made their way up to God and he heard his cry because that's the kind of God that he is. Now, I wonder what Jonah cried out, except I don't think we have to wonder very much. I think he kind of lets us in on the fact that with all of his prophet training and with all of his seminary classes, he dug deep into his theological encyclopedia and he cried out to God four letters, four air bubbles. Oh, blah, 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 blah. I don't know what it sounded like. I wasn't there. That's it. That's the only thing I saw in this passage. Verse number two. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me because that's the kind of God he is. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for blah, 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 blah. help. And you listened to my cry because that's the kind of God that you are. God listened. And what did God say in response? I don't, 
Gulp, right? That's the only thing we know. Big old fish shows up and it rescues Jonah by swallowing him whole. And now Jonah is in the abdominal cavity of this thing and he's just praising God for his rescue. And I just want to take a a breath and let that wash over us because that is some crazy good stuff right there. Um, Okay. A few observations about running that I don't want us to miss even from this scene. Number one, um, it is never too soon to stop running from God. It is never too soon to stop running. Let me put it another way. The sooner you stop running from God, the better. Always. Because sin is scary, y'all. As I listened to Jonah's prayer, and as I listened to Jonah retell his experience, that sent chills down my spine. Sin is And the further you run, the faster you spiral, and the stronger its grip gets on you, and the harder it becomes to stop running. The longer you wait to, to turn around and return to the thing God has said, the more destructive sin gets, and the more it hurts you and the people in the world around But we also saw the kind of God that he is. He's the kind of God who comes after us. When you run, he comes after us and he continues to call us to turn and come back. He continues to give us these exit ramps, these second chances and invites us, stop running, get off the exit and turn around. And if Jonah were speaking to us, he would tell us the sooner you take the exit, the sooner you embrace the chance to turn around, the better. And I'm saying if there is an area in your life, any area in which you know God has clearly called you or he's commanded you to do something and you are doing the opposite thing, you are running from God. And the sooner you take the exit sign to turn around, the better. Because when sin gets a hold of a situation and the longer you keep running, the more disruptive and destructive it gets and the more difficult it becomes to turn around. Take the next exit and turn around. Take the next second chance and turn Turn around. The sooner, the better. Otherwise, you will start to spiral in ways you won't even recognize yourself anymore. That struck me in this story. God gave Jonah a very clear and unmistakable call and command. Go to Nineveh. Jonah said, 
Nope. I think safety and comfort and life and love are better chances in Tarshish. So he says, nope. And he starts to go down to Joppa to get on a boat. And by all indications, God doesn't say anything. He's silent. Almost like God saying, I said what I said, and I know you heard what I said. Jonah's like, I know what you said, but I'm not turning around. And he continues to go, and he gets on this particular ship. So God sends him an exit ramp in the form of a storm. When that storm hits the water, Jonah knows exactly why it's there and exactly what it is saying to him. Stop running. Turn around. Take the exit and go back. And Jonah's like, nope. It's just a little storm. This too shall pass. And he actually goes down into the cargo compartment beneath the ship. So God sends a second exit ramp. He dials up the intensity of the storm, and it gets more violent, more dangerous. Jonah knows exactly what it's saying. Take the exit. Turn around. Nope. God wouldn't destroy all of these innocent people in the boat. Then God sends one of the innocent people on the boat to come and literally plead with Jonah so he can hear it. Please talk to your God. Just in case he is able to make this stop. And Jonah's like, nope, we are not on speaking terms right now. And he rejects that exit ramp. And he keeps running. Eventually, everyone on the ship finds out what Jonah has done and that he's responsible for endangering them. Now Jonah knows that they know what he's doing. And he just looks at them like, so, that's the situation. So, nope. They even get to the point where they ask him, so what do you need to do to, to, to uh, and he doesn't say, I probably should turn around. He says, no, you guys should probably throw me off the boat, but I'm not jumping. I can see all of the damage and destruction. I can see all of the cargo that's being thrown off, but I am not. And what you see is a spiraling effect. And the further he runs, the more crazy his thinking becomes and the more stuck in his ways he is. Jonah, look around you, man. I'm not taking that exit sign. And he keeps going. So these reluctant sailors, they uh, start to pick Jonah up to throw him overboard into the water. And you know what Jonah does? Nothing! He literally lets them pick him up to throw him overboard. God is like, stop it. Nope. When sin gets a hold and you ignore call after call to exit, you end up doing things. If somebody had painted a picture of this for him a year ago, Jonah would have been like, there is no way I'm endangering that many people and being thrown off the side of a ship. Well, you didn't plan on this, but you ignored way too many exit ramps. 
Jonah hits the water, which is one of the reasons I thought it was so powerful to read his prayer. He hits the water, and the water starts beating him up, taking him down to his death. And Jonah is like, nope. What? He even says, God has abandoned me. God has done this to me. So now what? So now I'm going to die. Woo! Um, the sooner you stop running, the better. Or it gets scary and crazy, and you will spiral to places where you no longer recognize your self. He's watching the boat break. It doesn't move him. He's watching people lose things, not willing to turn. He is spiraling to his own death not willing to turn. And by the way, if we're not careful, we will look at a story like Jonah's. We'll be like, dude, bro, just stop. Which is exactly what heaven would say to us. Exactly what heaven would say to us. Someone came and they expressed concern about your behavior to you. God is sending an exit sign. What did you say? Nope. <laughs> they don't even know me that well. They don't have all of the information. Somebody directly calls you out about something that you're doing. Nope. Now I'm just going to lie about it. Why? So that I can keep going. You're experiencing sleeplessness and your stomach is having issues. Headache. And you know what that's saying to you. You need to stop doing that thing. You need to cut it off. And you're like, nope, this too shall pass. You got caught and could not lie. And so you said the right things, but you knew, nope. This is just gonna make me go under the cargo compartment and be a little more careful. But I'm going to Tarshish. I'm just saying, before we look at Jonah and we say like, what is this guy doing? Many of us know this from our own experience when we ignore exit sign after exit sign after exit sign. I hurt people and God showed it to me by the look in their faces, and I was like, nope. I know what it's doing to my kids. I'm watching them throw opportunities and joy um, overboard because of my choices, but I just, nope. I'm going to ignore what God said because there's too much life in this thing that I'm running towards, and there's too much risk in that thing that I'm running away from. I lost my job because of it. Yeah, but I feel like I can get another job. I have a few leads. 
I'm losing my marriage. Yeah, but technically, it's their fault. Technically. Because if they were there for me and if they met my needs, then, then ignore the exit ramp to turn around. I ended up in the hospital and the doctor said to me, if you do not change your behavior, you are going to die. Now I am spiraling, sinking to my death. And I'm like, I went back home, but I couldn't let it go. I kept doing the very thing I knew would kill me. And Jonah would say, listen, it is never too soon to stop running. The sooner, the better. God in his grace will chase after you and he will offer exit ramp after exit ramp. He will offer these beautiful second chance after second chance. And the more of them you ignore, the more difficult it gets to stop and the more destructive and disruptive spiraling is going to happen. And I don't know where you are this morning in whatever area of your life. And here's the beauty of the story of Jonah. And here's the beauty of our own stories. That in whatever way we are deliberately running from God, no one has to tell you what that is. You're either not or you know exactly what it is. It can't be that. That's too small a deal, which probably tells you this is sooner. Best time to exit. Oh, and while we're talking about it, it's never too late to stop running. Never too soon to stop running. And it's never too late to stop running. There is no distance you can run where God doesn't have exit ramps. And for some of us, we tend to think, that's ah, not a problem. And so we ignore it, the early signs. For others of us, we tend to think it's become too much of a problem. I've done and destroyed too much. It's too late. God is done with me. But it's never too late to stop running. Again, man, verse 7 sent chills and brought tears to my eyes as I spent time with it this week. Look at it, verse 7. Jonah says, when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. <laughs> I felt my life leaving my body. And that was when. Ooh, I'm sorry for Jonah, but I'm thankful for me. The reminder of like, wait a minute, you cried out when? Life was leaving my body, literally with my dying breath, I finally was willing to turn. With my dying breath, I cried out, help. Woo! If you still have breath, he still has an exit ramp for you. All it takes to return to God is a breath. 
That dude was at the bottom of the sea and prayer bubbles. And God was like, let's go. Come on, who am I talking to? You are convinced it's too late for you. And so you've just given in. Jonah would be like, oh no. Air bubbles, cry help. God, give me another chance. But we also saw, never be too silent. Never be too silent. It's never too soon. It's never too late to stop running and to cry out. But you need to stop and cry out. And that's not being cute and quiet. You need to cry out. Never choose to be silent. Verse number six. It says, the roots of the mountains... Ah, to the roots of the mountains, I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord God, brought my life up from the pit. I found this so interesting. Because now I'm asking God questions. Wait a minute. But you could have rescued him on his way to Joppa. I could have. And you could have rescued him on his way down into the ship. I could have. But you, could, but you could also have rescued him when the storm started. Yeah, I actually sent the storm. But God, you could have rescued him when they were throwing him off the boat. Yes, I could have, but he was too silent. I was ready to rescue him. He didn't cry for help yet. This is such a powerful story. I will give you exits, but you're going to have to take them. I will literally have a sea creature on standby, but you're going to have to open your mouth and cry, help, I'm done, give me a second chance. I do not force cars off the highway. You're going to have to say something to me. It was only after Jonah said, I'm done, and cried help that God said, let's go. Watch how I provide even at the bottom of the ocean to give you a second chance. But you're going to need to cry for help. You are going to need to say it. I am done. God, please. Help me. Grace didn't care that Jonah knew what to do. Didn't care that he was drowning necessarily. He had to stop and cry help, and so do you. Never too late. As long as you have a breath, God has a fish on standby. But you got to cry help. Psalm 32, this is David speaking. He says, when I kept silent... My bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. Verse 5, then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you. Say something. While you may be found, surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. Never too soon, never too late, but never be too silent. 
give me another chance and he will. And oh, let me be clear. I didn't say he would give you the boat back. I didn't say you're going to get all the cargo back. Didn't say that that person is now going to forgive you. Didn't say you're going to have all of your relationships restored. Didn't say that the sailors are going to be BFFs and follow you on Instagram. Didn't say any of that. They may be mad at you forever. But what I am saying is God will always say, come on back. I still have a calling for you. I still have assignments for you. I still have ways I want you to impact and change the world. But you're going to need to ask me for help. You are going to need to say, I am done running and cry for help. If God could deliver Jonah from the depths, I dare you to tell me a story of how far you've gone. Dare you to tell me a story for how much you've messed up and how many people you've hurt and that God has done with you and has abandoned you. God is waiting for you to cry help. I wonder where you are in your journey. And for some of us, we're like, I don't even, I don't relate to Jonah. I obey the Lord in everything. And good for you, like, congratulations. Um, and some of you are like, oh, I can't even think of anything. Great. Keep taking those early exits. Some of you are like, I know exactly what you're saying, but can I please just have tonight to, 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 to run and, and finish it out and then mm, take the exit. Some of you are like, he's done with me. There is no way. I'm like, Yahweh, that's an old seminary joke. Um, God sends rescue. And while Jonah is in the fish, the abdominal cavity, he teaches us one more profound lesson about running. Verse 8 says, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from the God, from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good, and I will say salvation comes from the Lord. He says, with gratitude, I will give my life over to you, and I will do what you have called me to do. I will go tell those barbarians that salvation is from the Lord. And it struck me. Running ends with repentance. I'm not done running because God has rescued me from destruction. That's actually how some of us live. Like, woo, woo, saved. Stop, girl, right? Like, I'm just going to go right back to whatever. Um, no, running ends with repentance. I am only done running when I repent. I'm only done running when I return to the thing from which I ran in the first place. I am only done running when I actually turn around and do the thing that God has said. Jonah says, I will fulfill my commitment to speak on your behalf. That's repentance. I'm not just done running. I am committing to doing the thing that I was disregarding in the first place. You are still running until you repent. Return to doing is what repentance means. 
This is revolutionary, especially in an emotional culture. Repentance is not making the request. Crying for help, God will show up and he will put you in the belly of a fish. And then he'll say, so what are we going to do, buddy? What next? I just want to say thank you for saving me. Do you mind just maybe this fish? This fish seems like it could get to Tarshish. Saves me a boat ride. Like, nope. Repentance is not the rescue. Repentance is not the remorse. I feel so bad about myself. You can feel remorse that you get caught with no change at all. Repentance is not the regret. I feel guilty for how much I've hurt people. No, repentance is returning to God and doing the thing God said. What will you do now with your sexual purity? What will you do now with a person you've wronged? Because you've refused to ask them for forgiveness. When I have said, forgive as in Christ, I have forgiven you. You've made excuses and it's gotten worse and you become more bitter and more angry and it's hurting your relationships in ways you don't even know. And yes, I forgive and give you second chances, but you need to repent and go and make things right. Will you tell your boss about the hours you stole on your timesheet? Will you go back and tell them the truth because you've lied to them? Will you leave the job and start the venture that I've called you to start? Yeah, but that's scary. And my family will think I'm crazy. Will you actually start giving the money? Yeah, we should be more generous. You're right, you're right. Well, have you done it? No. Then you are not done running. The question is, have you returned to doing what God said? And then the best part, verse number eight. Did you see it? Because you could miss it. Jonah says, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. I was like, woo! Because repentance is about love. Like no one told me that growing up. Repentance is about love. Jonah is sitting in the belly of God's miraculous living submarine uh, situation, freaking out. Like, whoa! I sprinted from God. I spiraled um, all the way to my death. I sank to the depths. And uh, the moment I cried out, God came running after me at the bottom of the sea and saved me in this massive oxygen tank. And you can see Jonah having a moment in the bellies. Who does that? He's like, what kind of love is this? What kind of God has a fish on standby for a rebellious runner? If that's the kind of love you have for someone like me, why on earth would I run away from you? Everything in me should turn around and run back to live in that kind of love. I have believed that life and love are going to be found somewhere in Tarshish. Turns out life and love are found in clinging to the God who loves like this. Jonah is having a moment. He's like, everyone who runs from you is just forfeiting this? You would do this for me? I'm, I'm, I'm fulfilling my vows to you. 
I'm rolling with you. Whatever you say, I'm going to do. Whatever I've committed to, I'm going to do. That's love. That is life. There is nothing like this anywhere. Jonah is repenting, not because he's scared of dying. He's not repenting so life doesn't spiral for him. That motivation will not get you far. He's repenting to return to the God whose love chases down undeserving runners and never quits on us. And Jonah's like, I refuse to keep forfeiting that love. Tell me what you want me to do and I will do it. Oh, come on. In what area of your life might you need to repent, to return to God, to his calling? Not because you're terrified, not because you're scared of getting caught, not because you're scared of dying or losing your promotion, but because love and life are found in him. Because what kind of love? I mean, can we just sit in the belly of this moment right here and just ask them, what kind of love? would leave heaven and put on a human flesh to come chasing runners like us. What kind of love does, what kind of love stands on the edge of the boat and says, push me in the water instead? It's exactly what Jesus did. He jumped in, in our place and man, the waves beat him up bloody all the way to the point of death. And he hit the floor and he was buried. Not in a fish, but in a grave, in a tomb for three days. <laughs> oh man. And God said afterwards like, you're done. And the grave spat him up on dry ground so that Jesus can now give second and 59 millionth chances to undeserving people. Don't get it twisted. The exit ramps don't exist because you deserve it. The exit ramp exists because Jesus paid the price and made it possible for God to continue to forgive over and over and over and give us chance after chance after chance. And the question is, if that's the kind of love you have, why would I go anywhere else? I'm going to leave my sin and I'm going to turn around and I'm going to come and do whatever you have called me to do. I want to live in that love. And the chapter ends with Jonah getting spit back onto dry ground after three days and three nights. And it's a fascinating verse, by the way, because I'm like, well, why three days and three nights? Well, ultimately, Jesus. But my suspicion is that's when Jonah was like, I'm going to do exactly what you said. God's like, good. Let's go now. And he spits him on dry ground and says, now, head to Nineveh. And the rest of the story is a story of repentance, walking in the love of God, doing what he called him to do. So, Father, I don't know where we are in the journey with you and where we are in our own running, but I do pray that you would give us the grace to take the earliest exit. And for those who maybe believe that you are done with them, oh, may they look to Jesus and see the extents to which you will go to wrap us up in your love and to invite us back into your 
calling. May no one walk out of this room believing that they're abandoned by you or done with you because of Jesus. Thank you for the ways you chase us. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice that we get to even remember here in a few moments. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's message. We hope to see you next Sunday. We would love to personally invite you to one of our services at 9 and 1045 a.m. in the Performing Arts Center in Warsaw Community High School at One Tiger Lane in Warsaw, Indiana. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to subscribe, review, and connect with us on social media by following Mission Point CC. You can also contribute to what God is doing through Mission Point. Simply visit missionpoint.net slash give and give a gift today. Thanks again for joining us. Have a great week.